Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. As Pastor Carl said, we're going to talk about kingdom parables today. And if you, you go online and you'll be able to look at the notes, there's a, there's a little bit of a preamble to it. But real quick, just to wrap up this whole series, I thought par- parables is a brilliant way to do it, actually, when you think about it. Because I think the way that Jesus told stories was really engaging and really captivating. And I think he did it on purpose. I think he told stories because there's something amazing about the power of a story that just kind of captures your imagination in a way that, you know, just cold, hard facts don't. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, like, if I were to say to you something like, uh, somebody did this to me the other day, I think it was Pastor Carl, said the word pizza. Oh. And I was like, whoa, all right. I could smell it. I can taste it. There's something amazing. There's something going on inside of me. I mean, I could have a totally different reaction if somebody were to say something like uh, cow manure. You know what I mean? Like, if you've ever been out in the country in that season, it's terrible. You know what I mean? There's something about words that kind of uh, just awakens your imagination. And your imagination is this really cool human ability that is, it's God-given. It's not just your ability to make stuff up and be, uh, you know, fantastical and, and make-believe. Your imagination is literally that ability that you possess to image things, to see things. I think the Holy Spirit speaks to us a lot in, in the imagination. I think he speaks a word into your heart. There's a word and there's a sound and all of a sudden there's pictures that start to pop up. That's why a lot of people are like, you know, I, I see something. There's a word that wakens you up and causes you to see something. And I think parables and stories do that in a really amazing way. And we know that about our own story, right? You got a story, you share your story with somebody else, and all of a sudden something happens in their lives and they relate to you and they're able to capture a truth or, or something important that you're trying to communicate in a way that if you just were to you know, write them an essay, it wouldn't have the same impact, right? So stories, they capture the imagination. Jesus said a lot of stories. So I'm going to share some of those with you this morning. And I just want to invite you to dream. I want, you, I want to invite you to imagine. Yeah. I mean, what a good way to end up the kingdom. We've talked about all this stuff, kingdom stuff, for 11 weeks. Now, now I want you to finish this by thinking and dreaming with Jesus. Think about the things. Think about the kingdom. Think about the stories that are told and how this applies to your life. And, and just start to stretch your imagination. I mean, God says he's going to take you beyond your imagination anyways. But why not? Let, let's push the boundaries of it and let's see where it goes. Let's see where it takes us. So Jesus had some stories. He wanted to say, he wanted to share one of them. The first one, I think the most important one, and I think Jesus said it was the most important as well. In Mark chapter 4, verse 12, he said, you know, there's a story about the the sower and the seeds. And he said, you know what, guys, if you don't get this, you're not going to understand any of the parables. So Jesus had a lot to say. The kingdom of heaven is like this, this, and this. And he constantly told these stories. But this one, the first one, the most important one, the parable of the sower and the seeds. There's a sower. There's a farmer. He's got a bag full of seeds. He goes out into his field. He's throwing the seeds everywhere because they didn't have combines and tractors back then. So he's throwing seeds all over the place. And some seeds, they fall on the rocks or on the pathway, sorry, and the birds come and they eat them. Other seeds get thrown and they get, they get stuck on rocky ground and there's not much depth to the soil. So the sun comes and it, and it wilts the, the plants because there's not a lot of root. There's some seed that gets sown and it goes, it gets amongst the thorns and the thorns choke it out and it's not able to grow. But there's another seed that falls on good ground. 
And that seed bears fruit, 30, 60, 100 fold, it says. And then in Matthew 13, verse 19, Jesus is explaining this story to his disciples. And he says, you know what? He said, the seed that was sown, that's the word of the kingdom. Isn't that cool? The word of the kingdom is the seed that was sown. Now, here's the thing about this parable. It's not a challenge for you to fix your heart. On this side of the cross, don't hear it that way. But when you hear the word of the kingdom, Jesus painted a picture and he said, what I want you to see, what I want you to think, the filter I want you to have when you're hearing the word of the kingdom is I want you to imagine your heart as good ground. And everybody would have been familiar with this. They're, you know, the kind of ground that's soft, it's ready to go. You can drop a seed in it and it just kind of swallows it up and the, the rain comes and it causes it to grow. He's like, I want you to imagine your heart as good ground. So James said in James 1 verse 21, he said, receive with meekness the implanted word that's able to save your soul. See, Jesus has prepared your heart. He's tilled it. He's prepared it. He's made your heart good ground. Doesn't it say in Jeremiah, even in Ezekiel, you know, I'm going to give you a new heart. So you've got a new heart. So here's the thing. Here's how you make some of these kingdom realities work in your life that we've talked about over the last 11 weeks, is the kingdom word goes. So I'm listening. I'm listening to Pastor Carl. I'm going back. I'm listening to the old sermons. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to the word of the kingdom. I'm listening to the word of the kingdom. Holy Spirit speaking to me every day. Right. And I'm opening my heart and I'm imagining, wow, that word is going to bear fruit in me. Jesus has made me good ground. And there's a word that comes into my life. And my expectation is that word that comes into my life is going to do something powerful in me because Jesus has said so. He's made it so. He's made my heart good ground. So don't see that parable as a, uh, a challenge to, to get better at hearing or to get, get a better heart. No, when you hear the, the word, when you hear the parables, when you hear the word of the kingdom, know this of utmost importance, of first importance, the most important thing that you got to know about all the kingdom stuff. When the word comes, expect it to bear fruit in your life. Amen. It's not a word in vain. It's a power-laden word. It's right. a word that has within it the capacity to produce the thing that it got sent in your life yeah. to do. Good it's good. got inside of it its own power. Yeah, yeah. And you just got to receive it. It's so good. It's so easy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So Jesus told another story about the kingdom. He told the, to the parable of the wheat and the tares. And Jesus said this, if you want to know what the kingdom of heaven like, here it is. It's like a man who sowed good seed into a field. But while he slept, an enemy came and sowed seeds into that same field. Now, when the plants grew up, uh, you know, the field starts to grow a little bit. It became obvious to everybody, wow, there's, there's wheat in the field, but there's also weeds. And the workers say to the farmer, hey, I thought you planted good seed. What's with all these weeds? Let us go cut it out. Let's go rip up all the weeds. Let's get rid of them all. But the boss says, no, don't do it. He says, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat. So in other words, there, yeah, there's, there's wheat growing. I planted good seeds, and there's also some ugly weeds growing up as well. But he said, let it be. Leave it alone, because you might actually pull up the wheat when you're pulling up the weeds. He says, so he says, don't do it. At harvest time, I'm going to tell the reapers, they're going to go do it. I'm, they're going to collect the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's Hallelujah. shocking. But I'm going to gather the wheat into my barn. Right. I'm going to gather the wheat into my barn. We're looking for a bigger barn. So here's the question that I guess when it comes to the, the kingdom of God is like a man who sowed seed in a field. Do you feel in your life like there's some weeds growing? Do you feel when you look out over the landscape of, of the world right now, do you feel like, yeah, there's some good stuff going on, but there's a lot of weeds growing? There's a lot of things happening in the world today that I wish weren't happening. There's things happening in my world that I wish wasn't going on. I mean, I, I could probably say that. 
You know, I can look out over the world and I can say, wow, that's ugly. I wish that wasn't there. Maybe even my own world and say, wow, there's some things here that I wish wasn't there. That's ugly. So here, here's the thing about this parable. This is what Jesus is saying about the kingdom of God. The, the, the presence of the negative does not negate the good. So there, it's, there is some ugly stuff going on. There's some ugly stuff growing out. But here's the thing. Don't get so out of sh- bent out of shape, even to the point of damaging yourself and the planting of God and the work of God in your life by trying to uproot the things in your world that you think are bad. Well, hold on for a second. Not because it's good. It's bad. There are some things going on in the world, and there are some things in our world that are bad. Right. But Jesus said it's actually bad for you to be preoccupied with trying to uproot them. So the kingdom and the manifestation of the sons and the daughters of the kingdom, it's going to happen no matter what grows up alongside of it. See, the kingdom of God is growing and advancing, and the, king, the sons and the daughters of the kingdom are going, to, are going to manifest the fullness of this thing. It's going to happen no matter what is going on in the world. So your disposition cannot be, I'm looking out there, and oh my goodness, that is somehow damaging me and my ability to express the fullness of the kingdom today. Or that is somehow limiting the church. That's not true. Jesus said, let it be. You're going to damage yourself. You're going to damage the planting of God. You're going to damage the field of the Lord by constantly being preoccupied with trying to uproot stuff. No, he said this instead, Colossians chapter 2. It says, you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Do you know it's really hard to, to, to stay in the, in the forefront of faith, to let faith be that thing that's constantly washing over your conscience when you're always afraid and worried about the weeds that are growing up? It's tough. It's tough to be in fear and faith at the same time. That's right, exactly. It really is. So we need, to, we need to just trust. You know, there's, it actually, if you read through this parable, it's actually amazing. He talks about, you know what, you guys leave it alone. I've actually got my own labor force that's going to go and, and uproot stuff. They're actually called the angels. So there's angels. There's angels of harvest. There's angels that gather. And the funny thing is, I usually don't say this stuff, but the, the only time I've ever seen a gathering angel, they've got a sickle in one hand and a piece of rope in the other. There's always a gathering. So one of the things you can tell in your life and the seed that's growing up in your life is who are you gathering to? Right and what's the force and what's the impetus in your life? And look around and see, what am I collecting in my world? Who am I being collected to? I'm a son of the kingdom. I'm being gathered into the Lord's barn. You guys are gathered into the Lord's barn. You guys watching online, you're being gathered. There's a pressure, a push, a pull in your life that's pulling you to the people of God. It's the angels that gather. Jesus, when he was explaining this, he said, the harvest is the end of the age. We've had a lot of talk today about harvest. I mean, even when Joshua and Janet were talking this morning in the pre-show of reaping stuff. I got to say, I woke up this morning at 4.36, and the Lord said, look at John chapter 4, verse 36. I looked at it, and it talks about sowing and reaping. It talks about people who reaped and joy, and it talked about people harvesting some stuff in your life. So how do you know harvest is the reaping of what's been sown? And that, it's time for that, isn't it? it is. It's time. And you know what? There's a principle of harvest. There's a principle of sowing and reaping. But you know what the beautiful thing about the new covenant is? I'm going to reap in my life the harvest of the seed that was sown that was Jesus. Isn't that good? Wow, I mean, I'm, I'm responsible for my life, and if I do some stupid stuff, I'll reap a bad harvest. But you know what my greater expectation is? There's a grain of wheat that fell to the ground and died, and it didn't remain alone. It produced a harvest, and I'm part of that. And I get to reap in my life the harvest of the seed sown that was Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? There's a harvest of righteousness. There's a harvest of blessing and promises from God that are going to manifest themselves in my life because of Jesus Christ. 
I have an expectation for the end time, whatever the end looks like. The harvest is the end of the age, but my expectation is, Jesus told me through this parable about the kingdom, my expectation is harvest, and what I'm going to reap is the harvest that he sowed. So whatever else is going on outside there, I'm going to let it be. And I'm going to stay rooted in Christ. I'm going to grow in the faith. I'm established in it. I'm abounding in it with thanksgiving. And I'm not stressed out about the weeds that are growing up around me. Right on. Amen? Hey. All right, another story. Real quick, That's Matthew 13. The parable of the mustard seed. Come on. He put another parable to them, and he said this, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. It is the least of all the seeds, but when it's grown, it grows greater than all the herbs, and it becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. I love this. I, I love this because he says, the kingdom of heaven is like something that starts off really small. It has small, inauspicious beginnings. But he says, you know what? Don't despise the small stuff. Right Isn't it in Zechariah where he says, don't despise the day of small beginnings? Right. Here's the thing, though. That kingdom started off small. It started off embodied in one person, Jesus Christ. Right. He passed it out to his disciples. He gave the keys to, to a couple people. And then it spilled out of the upper room. And 120 people started walking around in kingdom power and authority. Right? And now, if you look at planet Earth right now, you got to see the kingdom of God is not that small thing anymore. Right. It is in growing, expansive, uh, just a massive expression throughout the whole Earth. Amen. So here's the thing about this. It started small, but it's growing. If you go back to Daniel and you think about the small rock that hit the feet of the statue and now it's growing, Jesus brought the kingdom. So the kingdom that I'm receiving in my life, you got to understand this. I'm not receiving a small kingdom. I'm not receiving a kingdom that's growing in stature, power, or ability. I'm receiving a full kingdom. When I got the keys, I got the keys to the whole thing. What's growing in my life is his expression and its influence. So the small beginning in your life, it's not a weak kingdom getting stronger or a weak measure of authority growing greater. It's the expression of it that's growing. It's the influence of it that's growing. You got to know when Jesus said, I give you a kingdom, you got the whole thing. Jesus is not coming into his kingdom again. Jesus is not off the throne, on the throne, off the throne, on the throne in every single person's life. The kingdom of God is established. It is coming. So don't worry. Don't despise the small beginnings in your life. And don't even stress about how you're going to make this influence grow. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 7, it says, you know what? It's not even about the one who plants and it's not about the one who waters. It's about God who gives the increase. Isn't that amazing? There's an expansive kingdom on the inside of me. You know, they say the universe is constantly expanding. Isn't that just like like blow your mind? It's just constantly pressing and growing and getting big. There is an impulse in the kingdom of God, the inside of you that's growing. You're made for expansion and growth. You're not made to stay where you are. The kingdom of God inside of you is pushing you, pulling you, even dragging you by the heels if you need to be. But it's growing and it's going and you're going with it. One more story. Matthew 13, 33. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. It's like yeast which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. So if that's, uh, if that's news to anybody, which it was to me, I'm not really into the baking and the making of bread and stuff like that. But they take a small amount of yeast, they put it in a lump of dough, and for all intents and purposes, it's hidden. I mean, it's a small amount of yeast. And they put it in the dough and they work it together, and then a bunch of chemical reactions take place, and then the whole thing starts to expand and rise. So here's the thing. 
The kingdom of God is like yeast that a woman took and hid in a dough until the whole thing started to expand. Listen to this. Jesus brought the yeast of the kingdom, if you can indulge me for a minute. Jesus took the yeast of the kingdom and brought it into contact with the dough of the whole cosmos. Through his incarnation, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his his ascension, he kneaded the yeast of the kingdom into the dough of creation. And now we, our job is to see it, to proclaim it, to demonstrate it. And when we do, when we get out there, when we get out in our lives, when we get out in our homes, when we get out in work, when we come to church, there's a chemical reaction that's happening. And you know what? Once it starts, it can't be stopped. When you see the kingdom, you speak the kingdom, you declare the kingdom, you demonstrate the kingdom, the kingdom of God that's latent everywhere starts to come into expression, and it causes the kingdom of God that is sown into the whole cosmos to start to rise and lift the whole and elevate the whole of the world up into its full purpose and destiny to manifest and demonstrate the glory of God. See, this is the way that the kingdom is coming, according to Jesus. Jesus, he, he took the kingdom, he put it in the dough of the cosmos, and now it's going to rise from the inside out. Jesus said, you know, the kingdom of God, it doesn't come with signs to be observed. It's not coming from out there somewhere. That, that means the kingdom of heaven is within you, and the kingdom of heaven has been sown already. So we're not looking for, I hope this is okay to say, we're not looking for an act of judgment to come in order to institute the kingdom. We're not looking for a tribulation to come to shake the world to its senses so that the kingdom can finally come. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is present. And you know what? We are not even waiting for Jesus to come again to start the kingdom. That's right. He already did that. When he comes, he's going to come and it's going to be a consummation of something, not the inauguration. It already happened 2,000 years ago. The kingdom of God is present. So this might sound a little controversial. I'm not trying to say anything. I'm just just saying something objective here. But I hope you know there's a, there's a political tactic that some politicians use where what they'll do is they'll, they'll say about the other person, that person is completely unelectable. They're losing. They're never going to win. They can't make it. You might as well just stay home. And the whole point of that narrative is to, to just beat the other person's supporters into a place of hopelessness and despair so that they don't turn up and actually vote. Now, that person could be totally winning. But there's, this, there's a campaign of suppression that says, no, it's not winning. He's not winning. She's not winning. She can't win. She's never going to make it. Well, I hope you can see, spiritually speaking, the devil kind of does that too. Especially in these days. He's saying the church is losing. He's saying, where's the kingdom of God? It's marginalized. Look at all the chaos. Look at all the stuff going on. The kingdom's not advancing. You're crazy. And you know what? He's doing the same thing. He's trying to get the church to stay home. He's trying to get the church to check out and disengage, dampen your enthusiasm, steal your zeal by telling you, you know what? This thing's not happening. Look around. It's not happening. You're losing. Kingdom of God's not happening. Yeah, promise about building the church. Well, I guess that's for the next generation. No, that's for us today. That's a misinformation campaign. You got to say no to that stuff. You got to say no. The kingdom of God is advancing. It's here. From the days of John the Baptist, it started forcibly advancing. Something good is happening. We just got to wake up to it. We got to see it. You got to believe it. You got to know it. So why so optimistic? Why so hopeful? The parables of Jesus leave me in a really happy spot when I think about the kingdom. And this is how I want to end this this sermon today, but also kind of wrap up the, the kingdom series. And that's with the parable of the talents. Now, this one, this one actually has caused me a lot of grief over the years because I've been on this constant quest to prove how faithful I am so that God will give me more or he won't steal from me the stuff that he already gave me uh, back in my really dark religious days. But listen to this parable. 
Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven will be like this. It's as if a man is going on a journey and, and he summoned his people and he said, hey, I'm going to peace out for a little bit. I'm just going to put it in Zach paraphrase. I'm going to give you $5,000, you $3,000. I'm going to give you $1,000. When I get back, show me what you can do. So he goes, comes back, let's say a couple of years later. And the guy you gave the $5,000 to comes up and says, hey, look, I took that 5,000 you gave me and I turned it into 10. And he's like, wow, good job. Enter into the joy. Wow, that's awesome. Good for you. Next guy, who he gave 2000 to, comes up and says, hey, you gave me 2000 and now look, I'm giving you four. I did some really great stuff with your money. And he's like, wow, good job. Enter into my joy. And the last guy comes up, the guy that he gave $1,000 to, and he comes up and he says, listen to this. He says, I was afraid. Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, that you reaped where you didn't sow, and I was afraid. So I went and I took your money and I hid it. And I think this parable is actually more about the corrupting, paralyzing influence of fear than it is anything else. Matthew 25, 26, listen to what his master said. He said, you know what? You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I didn't sow and I gather where I didn't scatter? You knew it. He doesn't say, hey, you got me wrong. You misunderstood me. He said, no, you, you knew this about me. You knew that I'm a person of strength and ability. You knew that I'm the kind of person who can reap where I didn't sow. I mean, that sounds like grace, right? I'm the kind of person who can get results no matter what. Right. And he's like, so you're absolutely right about me. But you know what? You came to a wrong conclusion. You should have done something different. And I think the point of this parable is really this, that right knowledge Right information about the kingdom of heaven. Right information about, about the glory of Jesus Christ. Right information about the beautiful things about God. If you hear them and you take them through a fearful lens, will lead you to some very wrong conclusions. That's right. That's really good. So you can say some right stuff. You can say the kingdom of heaven is here. Praise God. Hallelujah. But if you're racked with fear and your interpretation and your expectation for that kingdom is through a fear-based lens, even though you've got a right proposition, you've got some right things to say, it's going to lead you into a place where you're actually making some pretty unprofitable, checked out decisions. Right knowledge, even about the kingdom, will be corrupted in your life and bring about a passive and unprofitable influence if you let fear be the lens through which you view these truths about the kingdom and the king. Now, that is not in any way a, a challenge. Come on, get over it. Do you know what the anecdote to fear is? It's not wild, crazy risk. It's not somebody driving you from behind saying, come on, let's do some more or else. That's not what this parable is about. Do you know what the anecdote to fear is? It's love. It's love. Yeah. The anecdote to fear is love. Perfect love casts out, drives out all fear. All fears about your performance. All fears about whether you're doing enough, whether you've done enough. All fears about what's going on in the world. Like literally all fear means all fear. Perfect love casts out and drives out all fear. So the kingdom of God, you can have the most amazing revelation about it. But if you've processed it through fear, if you're trying to manifest it through fear, if you're trying to express it through fear, it's going to lead you into some really, really erroneous, unprofitable conclusions. So so Amen? So, so here's the thing. Jesus tries to lift their expectations. He tries to blow fear out of the water. And he says, you know what, guys? Luke 12, 32. Do not fear. Do not fear, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
It's your good father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So all this stuff that we've been talking about the last 11 weeks about the kingdom of God, don't hear that with fearful anxiety. Don't, don't hear that and say, man, maybe my life doesn't look like the kingdom of God right now and get really anxious and stress out and try and strive to pump it up and produce it. No, just remember that parable. I'm receiving the kingdom word and it's bearing fruit in my life. Something good is happening in me. Something good is happening through me because of the power of his word. I receive with meekness the implanted word. It's able to produce a harvest in my life. 30, 60, 100 fold. It is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let that be your takeaway from these last 11 weeks. Let it be your takeaway. Let the parables invite you to dream about something huge, something massive. Engage and partner with Jesus in this process of seeing something in your life, seeing the kingdom of God extend its boundaries and borders and push you to a bigger and a larger space in your life. Don't let what's happening in the world narrow your vision. Narrow your life expectation. Let your expectation for whatever your new normal is going to be, be Jesus Christ. Don't look out and freak out. Look up because he's actually established a new normal in his resurrection. It spilled out of that upper room 2,000 years ago. And now by the power of the Holy Spirit, because the kingdom's power, it's not word. It's not an idea. It's not like those isms out there that try to paint a picture of a new future for you, but never are able to actually take you into it. The kingdom of God is not word. It's not idea. It's not thought. It's not a utopian vision. It's something that you can actually visit and experience in your life today. Hallelujah. Amen? Hallelujah. Hebrews 12, 26. I'm going to leave you with this. He said, once more I'll shake not only the earth, but also heaven. And he says, now this once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. A lot of us might agree that we're in a time of shaking. Whether it's the time of shaking, we are in a time of shaking. There's some shaking going on. Therefore, the Bible says, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I hope these last 11 weeks have painted a picture of a kingdom for you and you are now open in your heart to receiving it. You're not working to strive and trying to get it. You're receiving a kingdom. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, what should we do? We should have grace. Let us have grace. Let your hope, let your expectation be completely rooted in the grace of Jesus. I mean, we've talked about some amazing stuff. We've talked about power, authority, the realm, the rule of God, the revelation of God. We've talked about how the kingdom of God is not word, but power. We've talked about lifting our expectations to see something mighty and powerful in your world. And I got to tell you right now, because you're receiving all of that, have grace. Have grace. Have grace, by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe. Grace is the only way to serve God. Grace is the only way to be a fully participating citizen in the kingdom of heaven and access all of its benefits in your life. It's only through grace. Now listen to this. Our God is a consuming fire. If you've got a fear-based lens, that's going to freak you out. But I'll tell you what, if you see God as good and loving, my God is a consuming fire. His love wakes me up every morning. They go, my God is a consuming fire of love. There's a passion and a fire in my heart. There's a passion and a fire that he has when he thinks about me. The Father, he has affection for me. He looks on me with genuine affection. And when I, when I, when I know that his love for me awakens in me an expectation that he's going to shower me with grace, 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 and more grace every single day, this kingdom stuff becomes a totally different proposition. It's no longer something I'm striving for, working for. It's not something that I set out as an ideal to work myself into. It's something I receive on a daily basis because he loves me. Because my God is a consuming fire. Amen? Amen. So, 
We're consuming. We're, we're receiving a kingdom. Let's stand up together. Let's, let's pray for a second. We're receiving a kingdom. It's coming. It's here. It's actively involved in your life. It's pressing in in every way. The rule and the reign, the realm of Jesus Christ. You know, he's Lord. He's Lord right now. He's Lord over everything in your world, over all your circumstances. The kingdom of heaven is here. It's pressing in. It's expanding its influence in your life right now. That means if you're sick today, in the name of Jesus, be well. In the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, be well. If you need some provision in your life right now, the kingdom of God says, be, be blessed. You're blessed. Lift your expectation. There's multiplication in the kingdom. Any problem that you have, Jesus Christ is Lord over. And because that kingdom is here, you have a positive expectation today. Open your heart wide. There's a kingdom word coming to your life. There's a kingdom word every day. Holy Ghost is speaking to you every single day to cause you to lift your expectations and say, yes, Jesus, I receive. So, Father, I do. I thank you so much. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that it is your good pleasure to give us a kingdom. And that kingdom we receive. We do receive that kingdom. If you've never received the kingdom of God before, if you've never received the king before, I'd invite you right now just to say to Jesus, Jesus, I receive you. I receive you. If you're online and you're watching right now and you've never said that before, I want to invite you. Just say, yes, Jesus, I receive you. I welcome you into my life, King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's it. That's easy. That's all you got to do. He's listening. He hears you. Just go online. Go to that Connect card. Let us know what you've done. If that's you here today, and you've never said, Jesus, I receive you. I just want to invite you right now. Just put your hand up. Just as a way to say, I receive you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody, pray with me through your masks. We're just going to say something really simple. Just a way to voice it out. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. Jesus, Jesus I, receive you. I receive you. That's it. That's it. You've received Jesus Christ. A miracle has happened in your life, and the Holy Spirit has come into your world. It's actually that easy. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I'm going to pray for you all, and then you can all go. <laughs> Thank you, Father, so much again. Thank you that you love us. Thank you for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the kingdom that we are receiving, that we've got. Oh, my goodness. I just pray, God, that the eyes of our hearts would be open to see just the amazing richness of what you've done for us, who you are to us, who you are in us, that every day this kingdom would find a new, a fresh, a vibrant, a greater, powerful expression through each of our lives. I ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.